Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 224 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. After retiring from medical medical practice, I became an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is people with special needs living, learning, and working in the Camp Hill community. Camp Hill began in 1939 at the outset of the Second World War. A group of Austrian refugees, inspired by Dr. Karl Koenig, a Viennese pediatrician, found land and benefactors near Aberdeen in Scotland. Inspired by the teachings of Rudolf Steiner, they built communities in which people with special needs were able to find acceptance, acknowledgement, and recognition as human beings. Camp Hill's development and growth in the world as a model of true normalization significantly influenced how we see people, people with special needs. Which is why our topic today, people with special needs living, learning, and working in the Camp Hill community, is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Chuck and Diane Kidd. Chuck and Diane co-founded Camp Hill Communities in Ontario. Home to 30 residents, 70 staff, and 15-day participants, it's located on 290 rural acres near Angus, and at downtown Barrie. And since their training at Camp Hill Special Schools in Pennsylvania, they've transitioned many people with complex needs from a disability-focused culture to one that's person-directed. Their approach to seamless flows of support is one that welcomes and nourishes individual needs and choices, expands skills and interests, and helps create networks of sustainable supports and friendships. They believe in the gift of safe and happy relationships. They believe that people with complex needs also need our help in developing and maintaining those relationships. Their goal is developing strong and skilled staff of supporters, facilitating a warm circle of family and friends, and creating opportunities for each individual to have choices, meaningful work, 
and social and cultural experiences in a safe and joyful context. So welcome to the show, Chuck and Diane. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Gordon. Okay. Thank you for inviting us. My pleasure. Now, Chuck, I would like to start with you first, please. Please tell us more about your own personal story. Well, my personal story is 65 years old now, so I'm going to have to make it a lot more concise. I'm just going to go back to when Diane and I got married. And we got married. We had a common dream, and that was to find a place where we both could work together. We thought um, there were all kinds of ways that we could work or share a job or something like that. And um, meantime, life intervened, and I had to find a job in order to uh, support our emerging family. But as, as luck would have it, in 1977, Diane found a little task volunteering at a nearby home based on a community uh, model of Camp Hill. It was a home with 16 special children, and it had a school attached to it, and she began volunteering there. One day I dropped her off at her job there, and I met with a fellow named James, a, a young Down syndrome chap who thrust a handshake out at me and began jabbering away in the most pleasant, in the most pleasant manner. Um, so I was sold. I began volunteering there, too, and eventually I left my work and joined this little crew who was running this home, which was called Rockland Acres at the time. To make a long story short, um, after three years there, we applied to do a formal training in Camp Hill Special Schools in Pennsylvania, and we lived and worked there for three years. Returning to Rockland Acres, we began a, a process of beginning to uh, become a Camp Hill place, which is quite a formidable task. So we managed to do that, and we were recognized as a Camp Hill community in 1986. And um, having done that, we haven't looked back. And great the, rest is, the rest is history, in other words. The rest is history, yeah. Yeah, right. Now, Diane, same question. Please tell, tell us more about your personal story. Well, of course, my personal story has chucked in it a lot. I mean, we've been married for 42 years, and we're really fortunate to have had those 42 years, having most of it spent doing work we just love and doing it together. We also have two children, Emily and David, and they're both involved in Camp Hill Communities' work. Emily uh, works in human resource and finance, and David uh, farms here at Nautawasaga in the village. So, and we have grandchildren, and that's great. But I first met a person with disabilities when I went to be a camp counselor at a camp in Quebec called Camp Amy Molson. And that camp existed to help children who were disadvantaged from Montreal. And I had a group of eight really rowdy boys. I'll tell you, they were all under ten. One of them was named Tootsie. Believe it or not, that was his name, Tootsie. And he really made a deep impression on me. He, he was really, uh, had been disabled more from poverty, from malnutrition and neglect than anything else. And I remember going on my first walk with him in the countryside and we were climbing a hill and he turned to me and he said, when do we get to the roof? And I realized he had no concept at all of 
nature and of a hill and of a slope in nature that his whole experience had been of cement and buildings. And it touched me so deeply and I realized what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to help children with special needs. I was hooked at that point. And so that's what I did. I've done it for my life and I'm not sorry. Great. Now, I want to know more from Chuck, first of all, please, about the Camp Hill story in North America. You mentioned Pennsylvania. Tell us more about the North American picture, please, Chuck. Sure, I'd be glad to. Camp Hill's been in North America for 50 years now. Uh, It began uh, in 1961, and there were two points of growth. One was in Pennsylvania, the school I mentioned, Camp Hill Special Schools, which has an informal name of Beaver Run. And the other was uh, an adult village on a large rural property near Albany, New York. And from these two seeds sprang all the rest of the Camp Hill movement in North America, which uh, slowly grew west until in uh, the year 2000, the, the new millennium, it reached the coast of California at Santa Cruz, and a few years later, it wound its way up to British Columbia, finding two locations, one in Vancouver and the other on Vancouver Island. And at the moment, there's a little fledgling Camp Hill place in Hawaii, so <laughs> the, the progress has been, has been west. And now there are 14 Camp Hill communities in North America and two supporting organizations, the Camp Hill Foundation USA and the Camp Hill Association of North America. Now, the Camp Hill Association was formed in 1983 to try to bring together the communities that were expanding across a very large continent. And so what we have developed is an associative relationship uh, which meets three times a year and provides a forum for all the collective interests in this very large region. Um, interests, ideas, challenges are shared there. And uh, the Camp Hill Association is also the guide to bringing about new Camp Hill places. So that would be where one would go if they're interested in how to bring about a Camp Hill place. Now, the let's Camp- talk, hmm? talking well, about Camp Hill places, I want to ask Diane to talk more about the work of Camp Hill communities in Ontario as a part of the North American scene and also as a service, a place of service in Ontario. Diane? Well, Dr. Atherley, you've you've described quite a lot about us in your lovely introduction. Thank you so much. Um, Well, Camp Hill Communities in Ontario is licensed by uh, Ministry of Community and Social Services and we're very, very lucky to have their support um, financially, and also I think they think we're a great place, which is lovely. Capital Communities Ontario is a place where people with disabilities can find a home, friends, work, on opportunities for self-expression and self-development in either one of our places, either in the farm location or in the city location. And we do this in Ontario through creating really wonderful artistic homing environments for people to live and where people can be supported, either living with a few friends or having a semi-independent apartment. We currently have, I think, seven group living homes and about five 
semi-independent apartments where people are living and having support. Uh, we have a lot of craft and artistic work. We have two potteries, one in each location, and a weavery, a wood workshop, and a herb workshop. Our garden has a stall at the local farmer's market, and I've heard we've just won a, a lovely award for our community garden. Our land produces maple syrup and wood, and we have a farm that produces beef. And people with the disabilities who, who live and work with us have developed skills in all of these areas, and they have immense pride in their work, and they see the sales of their products also at our fairs and markets and exhibits. So there's a lot to do at Camp Hill, from speech, drama, music, and art, and people go out to ride horses and bowl and swim, so as one of our lovely companions, Annette, says, we're busy at Camp Hill, so call before you come if you want to see us. I love that. Um, I think that's great. Now, talking of time, um, this is the time where we have to pay our rent, so we'll take the short break now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Chuck and Diane Kidd. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Chuck and Diane Kidd. Our topic is people with special needs living, learning, and working in the Camp Hill community. Now, let's, both of you, talk about the people whom you, Camp Hill Communities in Ontario, support and the kinds of challenges those people experience. So, so starting with you, Chuck, first, who typically are the people you support and why do they need your support? Well, we have 30 people who are ranged through um, all kinds of disabilities, uh, a term which I'm not really happy using, but I can't think of what else I, I can say. Um, they 
they are as different from one another as uh, you can imagine. Um, and we have to deal with all kinds of challenges and needs. But, you know, it's just as important to look at their strengths and their abilities, and we have to focus as much attention on helping people to realize their potential in various areas. And, you know, some of these folks have amazing skills despite uh, debilitating conditions that they have to live with. Um, so we, we essentially try to provide for their safety, uh, health, give them a feeling of security, help them develop meaningful and, and lives that are fulfilling, and, and to have some experience of happiness. This is so important. Problem is we can't dispense happiness. Um, we have to let them find it. And, you know, we, uh, there's a great story um, in the meeting of two people and two very dissimilar people, a young man with Down syndrome who was quite a character and could be extremely mischievous and kept us busy. And um, during um, the 90s, we were, um, we, we took in a, a, an elderly lady who had lost her, her um, program. So we brought her into our home where this young man was also uh, a member of our house community. And, you know, these two people suddenly got on like a house on fire. They would sit on the sofa in the living room and natter to one another. Uh, they were inseparable. Uh, they worked in the kitchen together. They'd walk down to the garden together. Um, we went on vacations, and they'd go walking off uh, down the street, and we'd be hard-pressed to keep up with them. They were so engaged in their conversations. Uh, amazing chemistry, which occurred between these two people. That's, and, the chemis that's the chemistry of happiness you've just described, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, they, yeah. They found each other. They became happy through that, that finding, and we provided the platform upon which that was possible. And, and I think that's really uh, the support we need to give is, is trying to make sure that we have that solid foundation upon which people can find each other. Right. Now, Diane, what have been the most challenging of the challenges experienced by the people before they come to you? Well, it's, it's rather sad to say, but most of the people who've come to us, Gordon, are people who are in crises. So almost everyone comes with a, a fairly traumatic story. Um, there's been homelessness, the death of a parent, abuse, and loneliness, and, and I'll tell you about a couple of those. Imagine that one of our our people that has lived with us a long time, she came to us when she was 59 and her mother had died and she was suddenly without a home and she was without the most central relationship in her life. And it was a very traumatic time for her. She and her mother had shared a room for almost 30 years, so you can imagine how close that relationship was. And here she is, thrown into our community out of this rather traumatic experience. But she managed to find a new home with us. She became quite gifted in art, and it was as if she had a second life. Instead of just being the daughter, 
She became someone in her own right. And uh, if you asked her what she did, she'd say, I'm an artist. Uh, and she had great friendships developed, and she'd had the opportunity to share all this love that she had had given to her from her mother in her early years. She found a way to be that motherly person for others. That was very special. And a man who came to us in his 50s came from a farm where he had been basically exploited as farm labor and kept in an unheated and uh, a, a trailer without electricity or running water. And social services found out about it, and he was, he was brought to us in his late 50s. And it was a, a very tough and traumatic life he had come from. But he's now 85. And he's still a farmer. He's still with us moving a bit slower and running around on a golf cart. But he's very much loved. And he's living a dignified and well-supported life. And he's called Uncle. And uh, it's a joy to see him. Yeah. So, so, those, so are the, those two are the big challenges. Right. Right. Now, I want to ask you, Chuck, while we're on the subject of challenges... The challenges experienced by family caregivers of the people you care for, but before they come to you. Well, uh, I can't actually speak from personal experience uh, because I've never had to care for a person under those circumstances, but we certainly have heard a lot of stories, and I think uh, I could narrow down a list of three items. Um, one is safety and isolation. This is a tremendous challenge for parents because it's a matter of, of degree and, and depending on the kind of disability uh, that they're experiencing, um, it, can be, it can be totally isolating um, and consuming. I mean, it places a huge burden on the families. Uh, especially if they perhaps need another income provider. Um, isolation can be the result of not having resources nearby to provide for simple things that we all take for granted, social interactions and little outings, going off to the convenience store for a Coke and a chocolate bar, um, you know, just this sort of stuff um, becomes a huge insurmountable hurdle. So... Um, that can be a problem. Safety is another issue. Uh, safety, if, if uh, you have a child at home who is uh, completely able to get around town and take buses and all that, there's still the concern that, that these folks could get exploited or uh, lost or waylaid. So there, there's a huge, huge challenges in, in the areas of safety and, and isolationism. Um, Finding healthy and meaningful social connections is one of the biggest challenges. I mean, who do you know, if you're a, a caregiver, who appreciates and understands the person who you're um, looking after? Another big problem are the very limited services and resources available in all of our communities here. Uh, some people receive an hour or two, uh, maybe a little bit more, uh, but most of it is just beyond the reach of people and, and exacerbating this whole problem is sometimes we have parents who are very active and they become squeaky wheels and are able to fight the authorities and receive sometimes more than their fair share of services just so that 
the authorities can get them off their backs. Uh, and this happens a little more often than we realize. So I think it's a great argument for organizing uh, into groups of action so, to ensure that there's a fair distribution of services. And the other issue is, is huge, too, which is aging. The fear experienced by families that they won't be able to provide for their son and daughter and that the child risks homelessness because of their own aging and requirements. So those, those are three big items that, that I think top the list. Very big items. Yeah. Now, Diana, I want to ask you to talk about the family caregivers and the people who come to you and the kind of help that they need to come together to support each other. Now, there may well be circumstances where that doesn't work, can't work, but when there is that prospect of family caregivers and family members being brought together happily, what kind of help do they need to do that? Well, I think they need to experience our help in, in more than one way. They, uh, the families of individuals that come to us and the individuals need to feel confident um, that their son or daughter are, are safe and they're free from any kind of exploitation or abuse. And I think the fact that Camp Hill pays serious attention to staff training and also helping people with disabilities understand their rights and how to keep themselves safe is, is part of what strengthens uh, their confidence that we are, have a safe environment. So safety is important for families. They need to know families and individuals um, and not always the individual and their family may not always be on the same page about what they want for their lives. Um, but families and individuals need to know that the staff at Camp Hill are listening to them and willing to learn from them and try to understand where they're coming from and what they're hoping for and what their fears might be. They need to experience that we're responsive uh, and that we're all trying to work together to find the right solutions for any challenges that the individual may have or the family may have in continuing to support them, even on a part-time basis. I think the people uh, we support in their families also need to know that we're, we're trained and we're competent to help them with the challenges and we can be accountable to them. Um, I think how we do that um, has to be developed further. I think there are ways and methods to not just through uh, government policy and procedures and licensing, but we need to be accountable for more than safety and security. We need to be accountable for personal outcomes of happiness and of engagement and civic engagement and of, of having the biggest possible life. Diane, I'm going to stop you there yeah. because it's the time of the break looms, yes. but also to say that um, in segment four we're going to talk about the very things you mentioned, that is, what more can be done in yes. the sorts of circumstances you're talking about. Right. So we'll, we'll take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Chuck and Diane Kidd. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back.
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Chuck and Diane Kidd. Our topic is people with special needs living, learning, and working in the Camp Hill community. So now let's talk more about the work you, Camp Hill Communities in Ontario, do and what you seek to achieve for the people you support and for the family caregivers. So Chuck, first with you, what do you want the people who come to you to find? Well, I think the first thing that we hope that they find is a home with its warmth and security. If they can feel shortly after they've arrived, that they are accepted and welcomed and that they begin to have positive experiences, this is great, that they can feel ownership and especially security. And security in some ways is taking ownership of parts of uh, the environment that you're living in. And friendship is another element which is really important. The relationships that develop uh, amongst people, between people, is really important. And and this acceptance as a unique person um, is also something which is hard to dispense, as I mentioned earlier on another item. Um, but we, we have to find ways of making the whole environment welcoming and friendly and warm 
Um, that's, for me, the most important items. Um, then, of course, we start moving into areas of supporting needs, um, trying to find those areas where they're held back by obstacles or conditions, uh, giving them guidance and encouragement in expressing and achieving goals and dreams and, and helping them even to articulate these goals and dreams. Uh, they need to develop skills which enable them to contribute back into the community and to help with, uh, you know, daily tasks and, and contribute to the welfare of others. It builds confidence in themselves as, as valued citizens as well. Um, each skill they learn opens up a whole a whole hallway of doors. Um, for instance, uh, setting a table for a meal helps develop organizational skills and awareness of placement of things, uh, knowing where each piece comes from and where it has to go. Um, we have one one lady, a very moving uh, development. She came to us out of an institution, and she was really forlorn. Uh, you had to be careful around her because you could get slugged. Uh, she had uh, not a behavioral disorder so much as a lack of trust of the people around her because of the experiences she had in the institution. She began working in our pottery, and over time she has developed skills which are unique. She has developed a, a, a unique technique, if I can sound almost poetic. Um, she gets praise and respect from potters in around our area. We're connected to the Simcoe County Craft Area uh, group, which has to do with weaving and pottering and all those things. She's developed a vocation, and she identifies strongly with her work now, and she's, she's actually found her calling. It's amazing. So th these are the sorts of things we hope people find, that, that they find who they are, their identity, their their commonality with other people and uh, their creativity and we can't if we can if we can get a little bit of that across that's great Diane both of you've spoken a lot about acceptance how do you actually help people find acceptance I, I really think every person's a mystery whether you're disabled or not it's a mystery to be unlocked every one of us and Trying to understand each, each person is, is a great challenge. And I mean it, it's a great challenge. It's, it's a great challenge to have. I, I have experienced in, in the years I've been doing this work that my efforts to understand help people find acceptance. And my, my effort to understand has to be deep. It's, it's, it has to be that work, that hard work to get to know someone deeply. Um, we we cultivate a culture at Camp Hill that is is not focused on disability but abilities, and it's not focused on deficits, but it's focused on what assets people are bringing to the community. I think that's key to help people find acceptance. I don't think we ignore the challenges, but we we support people's challenges in a in a as quiet and discreet a way as we can, so that the ability side is the side where we're meeting first and foremost. But it is hard work to get to know someone deeply enough so that they feel understood and accepted and that we can be really helpful. One of our residents, he's always on the move. He, 
wherever, whatever house he lives in, he's always packing his boxes as if he wants to move to another one. And he's been with us for 30 years, so you can imagine we're running out of houses. But he's always on the move, and it's very hard to understand him. And for many years, we, we blame ourselves. We haven't found the right room. We haven't found the right roommate. We haven't found the right house. We haven't found the right work. And learning to accept that this is his way, that he needs to move, and to accommodate that, and to to not worry about it, and to let him be who he is, that it's our wish that he would settle, maybe not his. This is all helping him find acceptance in the community for who he is, a man on the move, packing his boxes. And since we've come to peace with that, he's more settled. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting synergy there. Now, Chuck, how do you help people find acknowledgement and recognition? Well, I think... uh before we get to acknowledgement and recognition, we have to get to appreciation. And so I would put that actually at the top of the list there. Um, and sometimes we need to help each other as co-workers and family members to see the virtue of those folks who are in our care. Sometimes we get too much focused on, on the problems and the needs. And one of the great ways that we have of getting appreciation into our awareness is sharing stories and anecdotes. And through those stories, we come to see the person in a new light. And in a sense, acknowledgement and recognition kind of arise like byproducts, in a way, uh, of this appreciation. And there was, uh, there was a great story told to me by a parent of a, of a young lady, which I think gives a good sense of this. Uh, in, in terms of my personal experience, the daughter had, a, had an affection for French bread. She would eat a whole loaf of French bread. And the father and she came to an agreement. There was a two-slice limit placed on the consumption of French bread. Now, one day, the girl grabs a third slice, and the father quickly reaches over and grabs a hold of this third slice. Now, we got a stalemate. Father's holding one end of the slice of bread, and the daughter's holding the other. And the father says to her, very seriously, you remember our agreement? And the girl says, well, Dad, I think we need to compromise. And Dad says, well, what do you mean by compromise? And the girl said, well, Dad, you let go first. So this, this to me, was just a great demonstration of how well this girl has developed remarkable skills of of being able to exchange under pressure (laughs) certain kinds of sophisticated um, thinking skills and processing skills. Um, She put up a great defense, a good argument, all kinds of great positive qualities that we all need to have as individuals when we meet the world in all its um, manipulative ways. We have to stand up for ourselves, and and she really was able to do that. And I learned that she was able to do that through that little story. And so now I can appreciate and acknowledge and recognize her as a person who has these skills and right. who I need to treat with, with perhaps a little bit more respect uh, than right. I might have otherwise had. 
free. Now, Diane, I want to go forward with this word, this concept of appreciation, because I'm going to ask you, how do you help family caregivers find the support they need you know, in caring for their family members who come to you? But one of the things I hear time and time again on this show is how family caregivers feel underappreciated. So maybe with that a little, little bit of a bias in the question, how do you help family caregivers find the support they need? Well, I have found family members to be the greatest team members throughout the last 33 years, and I count among my dearest friends some of the family caregivers who have entrusted their children to me. And I know what love and support they've given their child. And I know how many sacrifices they've made and how many adjustments they've made to their lives, how many personal goals they've put on hold, how many financial struggles they've had to go through to provide the best for their family member with disabilities. I know how they've fought for services. They've advocated for their child at school. Uh, They've advocated for day activities. They're the people who saw the potential in their child as well as recognized the challenges. They did a lot of research, most of them, and they knew what their child was facing. I have a lot of respect for the families of people with disabilities. And I also feel a deep sense of appreciation for the wisdom they carry when they bring their child to us. They know better than anyone who this little being is and what he's been through and what traumas and rejection and struggles he's been through. We have to, we have to incorporate that into how we carry on with the life of this person in, in our community and enfold it. So how do we help them? We, how do we help families? We, we have to make sure they hear that we support them. We listen to them. We respect what they have to say and that we're responsive. I think we have to make it real that we're a team. We're not the professionals and they're the family, but together we all have a collective feeling of responsibility, care, and love for this person, and we're going to work together for the best possible outcomes with that person. That's a very powerful message. Uh, It's a message of appreciation, but it's also a message of um, recognition that the family caregivers are members of the team. Uh, And that's something else that I think you've brought out very clearly. Now, once again, it's time for the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Chuck and Diane Kidd. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, The Power River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Many people are seeking to make a difference in the world, but few actually have the tools to do so. Every week, host Mary Beth Lodge and her guests will have you thinking forward and will give you the tips to keep your life 
goals, priorities, and choices on track. The result is an easier, happier, and more inspired life. The name of the program is What Matters. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What really matters is the positive changes that you'll bring to your life and the world just by listening. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Chuck and Diane Kidd. Our topic is people with special needs living, learning, and working in the Camp Hill community. Let's talk about now what more you, Camp Hill Communities in Ontario, want to do and see done for people who come to you and for their family caregivers. So Chuck, you first. What more would you like to do to help people like those who already, who already come to you? What are the things that you see and would like to see lying ahead that are good and useful? Chuck? Yeah, well, I see two main groups emerging that are at significant risk uh, in the very near future. Um, Young people who are leaving high school are dropping into a service void. They've been given all kinds of supports through all of the years of elementary school and high school, and rightly so. But when they graduate, they go into a void of services, and parents uh, are pretty much left with them um, to figure out how to get services through the regular channels here. So that's one group that we are beginning to do a lot of planning for, and they've helped us to begin developing our day program component here. So that's something that we're moving forward with, but it's a little bit of a big problem. It's a little solution for a big problem. Um, the other group, the other demographic group, are elderly children who have even more elderly parents who have come to the end of their capacities to provide for care for their uh, aging children. And these folks are coming into the system homeless. Often, often they're emergency placements and they're homeless. So what can we do about this? Um, we, we're looking at three, three main prongs on a fork here. We're looking at trying to create more day activities, as I mentioned, for the youth, uh, mixing academic, recreation, arts and crafts, and work experience. Uh, for both groups, we need to develop far more innovative housing opportunities than, than we have now within our neighborhoods, in the rural communities, we're looking at trying to do something around uh, in the area of co-housing where there's clusters of people who perhaps could support a, a, an individual or a couple living nearby. Um, we have developed neighborhoods in our ferry community 
where people see each other every day and know about each other's whereabouts. So these are important elements. Um, and also the third piece is to strengthen our community awareness through affiliations, uh, things like collegial associations, uh, parent associations, um, creating events, informal potluck dinners, uh, planning meetings, these sorts of things. So um, we need to get together and help each other. So we need to create community structures which just aren't there yet. So it's all new ground. And uh, we hope that we can be part of helping to create the very structures that will help serve some of these dire and pressing needs. Right. Now, Diane, I want, it's the same question, what you want to see done, but this time by health care and social systems to help people, the people, my types of people uh, who already come to you and also I, if I can be a bit more specific to address the things that Chuck has raised what more do you want to see healthcare and social systems do? Well I think first of all I, I'd like to express appreciation to the, the healthcare and the social service systems that we have in Ontario I think since we started in this work over 30 years ago there have been many advances made in inclusion and acceptance of people with disabilities and I think there's been a lot of advance in the understanding of people with disabilities and opportunities for them. There's been a lot of work done on the policy level and licensing to to ensure safety and well-being of people supported and I'm sure my government partners would surely agree that we have intolerably long waiting lists of with people who really need support and really need a sense of belonging and community and friendship uh, and support for their special needs. The funds to create capacity in this area are really not adequate. Uh, and I think the crisis is getting greater, especially with the two populations that Chuck has identified, the young people coming out of school with nothing to do and the adult children of elderly parents. I, I know that the social service system is really struggling to meet all the needs that are currently there. Uh, I think they are going to need help at a provincial level and, uh, and beyond to address what kind of society we really want to live in where even the most... I think a society has to be a society where all the vulnerable people are taken care of. That's the kind of world I want to live in, where vulnerable people are supported, are safe, are cared about, because I think they have a lot to give us. And I don't know how we get there, and I don't know what can be expected from healthcare and social systems, but I, I sense that government can't do everything, family can't do everything, organizations like ours can't meet all the needs. But somehow we have to come into a new kind of dialogue that will allow us to each bring something to the table to move this forward and create more capacity to support people in need. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you both, again, the same question, what your message is for family caregivers. So, Chuck, what's your message for family caregivers? Well... Coming off of what Diane just said, all I can say is partnerships, partnerships, partnerships. <laughs> um, we can work together to support each other. You know, this, this phrase, living 
learning, working together, that uh, is part of the title of this program, isn't just the slogan developed by Camp Hill, but it's a phrase that was articulated way back in the 1960s by the founder of Camp Hill, Carl Koenig. And this phrase contains all the key elements that we need, especially that word together, because then we can develop strength to begin to pull together the collective wisdom of the parents who've gained so much over the years of supporting their child. Um, their love and their concern for the child's well-being has been probably the fuel that's made it all possible. But we all need to get together. We need to get active and engage with each other to develop areas of our communities where just everybody matters. Uh, we're too often kept in isolated pockets, and as individuals and families, we have to work together to find ways of accomplishing our heart's goals and dreams. And then the whole community will benefit. You know, the government funders will be, things will relax there. Our underserviced and overtaxed agencies uh, will feel some slack. The families will have some kind of uh, mechanisms by which their children can be supported, and most of all, the companions, which is the term that we use for these people with disabilities, through their special gifts and qualities, they will be given an opportunity to be part of the communities around us and through that enrich those communities. And, you know, Camp Hill has been working at this for 70 years, and we know that this works. You've got to work together. As That's a strong... Chuck, that's a very strong message. Now, I want to ask Diane her message for family caregivers. Please. Well, I want to say thank you to the family caregivers. Uh, I hope you understand how much you've helped society in the last 30, 40 years to be more respectful and more accommodating and more respectful of all people with disabilities through your work. I think more people in society today take notice of not only your child's needs, but they also recognize their abilities and capacities, and that's because of your hard work and advocacy. I think your advocacy for your child and for people with disabilities in general and your efforts to hold society accountable to high standards has helped lift, lift the quality of care in North America. I think you've been fine advocates. And I want to thank you for entrusting your child to caregivers like me because our lives have been really enriched by your children. You know, in Camp Hill places all around the world, as Chuck said, there's been 70 years of living and working. And these special people have been active participants in creating our vibrant communities. They've helped us create innovative structures. And they are artists, they are musicians, they are farmers, woodworkers, weavers. They're gardeners, actors, and bakers, and they're people with extraordinary abilities, as well as needs. And they have a wonderful way of building community with us. So thank you, caregivers, That's for your a children. A wonderful message. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this fabulous, wonderful episode. So thank you to Chuck and Diane for sharing with us couple of things I'd like to just emphasize. One is that recognizing abilities and capacities, regardless of what it is that the 
the person seems to be to us, perhaps at first sight. Um, and secondly, the idea of community within community. Camp Hill is an enormously successful community, and I congratulate you all on behalf of everyone for this wonderful work. And what I think you're spreading, a message, one of the several messages you're spreading, is that there are communities out there that, can, that work with you, that work with families, that work with people, and that ultimately will help the bigger community, that is the government, the social systems, the healthcare systems, and bring us all to a point where the ambitions of Camp Hill, the Camp Hill movement, are truly fulfilled. So I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be Grief Counseling for Grieving Parents. Please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.